0: Hey Met fans, happy Thursday. How you doing? I bet you're doing good. Bet you're doing good. Michael Conforto is back. Yes he is, ladies and gentlemen. And we are very glad to welcome Michael Conforto back. This could only mean one thing. We're closer getting close to getting our lineup back and Michael Conforto is the heart of that lineup yes it was so nice to see him in number three hole and playing right field after a five-week absence Jeff McNeil sat atop the lineup in his third game since returning from the injured list another pleasant sight now Conforto and McNeil each reached base three times And Francisco Lindor delivered an early home run, helping the Mets end a two-game skid with a 7-3 victory over the Braves at City Field. Believe me, it is so good to have them back. Now, nothing against the guys who were filling in for them, but having McNeil and Conforto back is going to be mega, mega huge. And it couldn't have come at a better time. The team had been shut out in consecutive games and four times within the week. Our bats are turning into noodles, if you ask me. But the Mets had an easy night against Kyle Wright in the Braves' bullpen. That, coupled with a solid performance from Tyler McGill in his major league debut, and a respectful relief outing from Corey Oswald allowed the Mets to win for the 16th time in their last 21 home games. Yes, we loved the home cooking at Flushing by the Bay. Uh, Edwin Diaz was summoned for a five-out save and responded, entering the eighth with two runners on base, and he retired Pablo Sandoval. Pablo is still alive and kicking, folks, and Ender Inciarte, before working a scoreless night. At that point, we needed Edwin because the only other relievers available in that bullpen, which is really burnt out at this point, on an emergency basis were Seth Lugo and Drew Smith. Now, Conforto and McNeil are just two to pieces on which the Mets are relying to become a whole. a hole. Brandon Nimmo began, began a rehab assignment last weekend for AAA Syracuse. Still on the horizon, our good buddy J.D. Davis, who has been absent from the Mets since early May. Now, let's take let's take this seriously, folks, because the Mets are a good team. Now, they're not quite where they want to be, and I still think that is going to come. I do think the Mets are going to put it all together. They just need to be more consistent have all the pieces in the puzzle. And once the pieces start falling into place, I think this team is going to be dangerous. Now, yesterday they they erupted for five runs in the first two innings against Wright. They were scoring only four in their previous three games combined. Francisco Lindor sprinted from home to home from front base in in the first on a wild pitch. And that snapped a 17-inning scoreless streak since game one of Monday's doubleheader. Lindor walked and took third on Conforto's double. He scorched the ball, did Michael. Uh, They said it was 110 miles when it left the bat. 110 miles per hour. And that was his first at-bat since coming off the injured list. And Conforto scored the Mets' second run on Dominic Smith's RBI fielder's ground choice. Ground ball choice. Fielder's choice on a ground ball. Uh, I'll get this right one of these days. Uh, Conforto... He jumped on it, and uh, if you're going to test the hamstring, you do it that way. Uh, He had a solid run, and he was looking good. Now, Francisco Lindor smashed a three-run homer in the second, and after McNeil had kept the inning alive with two-out single, the homer was the ninth of the season for Lindor, who blasted two in the first game of a doubleheader in Washington on Saturday. Luis Guillerme began the rally with a double pass that just missed clearing the fence in left center. McGill. Hats off to McGill. He did what we asked him to. He took a shutout into the fifth but couldn't get through the first inning. After walking a hairy Adrianza leading off the frame, McGill surrounded a two-run homer to Inciarte that pulled the Braves within 5-2. After walking the next batter, reliever Josh Timlin, he was removed. Now, over 92 pitches, the right-hander allowed two earned runs on three hits with four strikeouts and two walks. The 25-year-old McGill, he was an eighth-round draft pick by the Mets in the 2018 draft. And he was 2-1 with a 3.35 ERA in eight starts between AA Birmingham and Binghamton and Syracuse. Well, he got his opportunity, and uh, he did make a statement for the Mets, and he did help them win. And that was needed in the week the Mets played a doubleheader Saturday in Washington and another Monday on City Field. And they'll play their third doubleheader of the week on Friday against the Phillies. He was poisoned. and uh, it was pretty impressive. You know who else was impressive? Corey Oswald. He gave the Mets two and a third innings, allowed one and run on four hits and one walk. But he got the job done. He kept them at bay. And Miguel Castro allowed two runners to reach base after replacing Miguel in the fifth, but he escaped with further damage. And we're getting used to that from Mr. Castro. He does seem to get the job done, doesn't he? Now, one thing that the Mets could be thankful for after all this time is this year with all these injuries and everything else, they're still winning. But one thing we need to be thankful about is the National East. Uh, it's amazing how many transactions the Mets have had to make to keep this team afloat. And uh, but the fact of the matter is, no National East Team East has taken the bull by the horns. It's amazing. It's amazing. This division was supposed to be the toughest in baseball. And don't get me wrong, these are all good teams. But the contenders have failed to capitalize on the Mets. And not taking anything away from the Mets. Uh, The Mets are just becoming so, so resilient. Now, Thomas Nito became the 23rd different Mets to go on the injured list. And even with Conforto returning, that's a little disconcerting at this point. And that's been the season for the Mets, injury after injury, one step up to one step back. And it's uh, beginning to move with Conforto, Alonzo, Guillerme, McNeil, and Pilar coming back. But now the pitching staff has fallen apart. But you got to hand it to the Mets brass and the players that they have on that staff. They have done eternally well figuring out who to put out there. And all their choices have been coming up gold more or less. And with J.D. Davis and Nimmo coming up in the near future, things are looking good offensively. But you never know what's going to happen, right? Injuries happen, and who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, We've ad-libbed so far, but I know you can't ad-lib. It's not like last year with a 60-game schedule. Ad-libbing is going to catch up to you after a while during the course of a season. So hopefully the Mets uh, figure out what the deal is here and uh, have some of these guys stay healthy. We can only, only hope. The one good thing about being healthy, we got some really good news regarding the Strowman, Marcus Strowman. The Strowman, Strowman, I call him Strowman. It's a little inside joke. He wants the ball for his next start, and the Mets are still deciding whether or not he should get it. Uh, he did get a clean MRI performed on the on his left hip Wednesday, and that provided enough assurance for the team to keep uh, Strowman off the injured list. A day after he departed in the second inning against the Braves in discomfort. Now the goal is getting back him back to the mound next week. The Mets do feel optimistic. But I th- still think they're going to wait it out. And they can always put him back on the uh, DL retroactively. They kind of need Strowman because in recent days it was revealed Joe O'Casey tore his ulnar collateral ligament. And we know what that means. TJ surgery. And... uh They've been working closely monitoring Jacob deGrom, which is a good thing. And you got to remember, we're also without Syndergaard, Carrasco, and Yamamoto. They all remain on the I.L. It uh, looks like Carrasco may be the closest to the group to returning. Uh, the right-hander who tore his right hamstring in uh, spring training hasn't progressed throwing from the mound, though. But we need Stroh. Stroh has pitched to a 2.32 ERA in 15 starts. And uh, believe it or not, he had joined David Peterson as the most durable start until a setback. So as much as we poo-poo David Peterson and his performance, he's been consistent at least in going out there and grabbing the ball. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully they prevented Stroman from getting hurt any further. Uh, Thursday's day off, today's day off, I might give the Mets the option of starting Tyler McGill in Strowman's spot next week if he isn't ready. Uh, But Strowman's a warrior. He's got a big heart, and he does what he wants to do. He says what he wants to do, and uh, just got to make sure he's not speaking from his heart. He's actually being logical about this, and if he's ready to go, put him out there, baby. Put him out there. That's what I say. You know who says he's ready to go? Pete Alonzo. He's ready to go into the home run derby again. He didn't get back-to-back home runs, home run crowns last year, and he fell a little bit short. But he has a shot of repeating as the home run derby champion. He had a polar bear announce Wednesday that he plans to defend his title, and he's going to participate in the derby at next month's All-Star Game in Colorado. He won the event, which was canceled last year because of the pandemic, with 57 homers in Cleveland in 2019. You could tell Pete enjoys being in the Home Run Derby. Uh, He thrives on it. I think he thrives on it. Win or lose, he thrives on it. And what a year he had in 2019 when he had 53 homers. And then he finished seventh last year with 16 in the 60-game shortened schedule. And this time he's going to use uh, bench coach Dave Jous as the pitcher in the Home Run Derby. Two years ago, he selected his cousin Derek Morgan to pitch to him. And that was pretty successful. But we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be tough to repeat what he did. Uh, can he beat Shohei Ohtani? That's going to be fun. <laughs> Just seeing Shohei in the home run derby. Uh, what else is going on land? Patrick Mazzica was recalled from Syracuse on Thursday as the backup catcher. Yenzi Diaz and Sean Reed Foley were optioned to Syracuse. Conforto was removed from the IL, and pitchers Tyler McGill and Corey Oswald were selected to the roster. Uh, The Mets also cleared space on the 40-man roster by transferring Robert Gazelman and Joey Lucchese to the 60-day IL. And Taiwan Walker and David Peterson are the Mets' scheduled starting pitchers for Friday's doubleheader against the Phillies. DeGrom is scheduled to go Saturday, and Eikhoff is going to pitch the series finale on Sunday. Okay, folks, it's that time of day. Yes, it is. It's time to go into Met Jeopardy and Met Trivia for the day. Who is ready? Who is ready? Raise your hands. Okay, cool. Today's question. you ready? Do I see everybody ready? Okay. Before wearing number seven, what was Ed Cranepool's number with the New York Mets? So what number did Ed Cranepool originally wear as a New York Met? That's your trivia question for today. Now, our Met final Jeopardy question. Who's ready? Okay. The question is, and are you ready? Yes, you are. Okay, good. First clue, sign with the New York Mets as a free agent on November 17th, 1993. Second clue, led the Mets in stolen bases with five in 1994. Now we'll be back at the end of the podcast to give you the answers as we always do. So lock them come in and at the end of the show when we're ready. You're going to have to reveal your answers. Okay, it's birthday time in Metland. We're only celebrating one today, so let's make it a special one for Mike Bruhurt. who was born on this date in 1951. Who remembers Mike? He a lot wide innings for us in 1978. 133 would be exact. Started 22 games. Had a record of 4-11 with a 4.78 ERA. He wore number 26. Then he was traded by the Mets to the Texas Rangers, along with lefty Bob Myrick, who remembers Bob, in exchange for Doc Ellis on June 15th, 1979. Happy, happy birthday, my George. Hope it's a good one for you. Now on this date also, the Mets traded Al Yates. Remember Al? He was traded to the Boston Red Sox for Dennis Bennett on this date in 1967. Now our spotlight game of the day is going to take us back to June twenty fourth, nineteen sixty nine. Let's catch the seven train and get off at Willets Point Shea Stadium. Remember when the stop used to be called Willets Point Shea Stadium? Now it's City Field. It's Mets Willets Point because they can't commercialize City Field because City is a bank. But anyway, back in the day, it was Willets Point Shea Stadium. And we're going to have the Philadelphia Phillies come to town. Where do you want to sit? You want to sit in the loach? Okay, I'll see what I can do. I'll try and get a loach seat. Now, coming into this game, we're 37-28. We're five games behind the Chicago Cubs. And we're feeling it now. We know we're contenders. The Philadelphia Phillies are coming into the game 26-38, and 38, and they're not feeling it. They're 15-and-a-half games out at this point. It's been a rough season for the Phillies. Now, going for, on the mound for the Phillies is Jerry Johnson. And going for the Metropolitans is Jim McAndrew. Now, Jim's had a rough start so far. this point in the season, his ERA is almost 6. But we're giving him the ball. We'll see what he's got. And let's play ball. Jim McAndrew. Let me tell you something about Jim McAndrew on this day. Before we go any further, he retired the first 16 batters he faced He was pitching El Perfecto going into the sixth inning. Not bad, huh? And the Mets were only had one hit through three innings. That was a base hit by Tommy Agee, a single. But then in the fourth inning, the Mets broke it open. And we could thank uh, Jerry Johnson a little bit for that. Uh, He started off the inning by uh, inducing Tommy Agee to hit a ground ball, which is booted by the shortstop. Shortstop was Tom Harmon, and he booted it. That kind opened up the floodgates and gave the Mets a shot here. Uh, Ken Boswell then singled. Art Shamsky then singled, knocking in Tommy Agee. Uh, Wayne Garrett, he singled. Then Eddie Cranepool hit a sack fly, scoring a run. Uh, J.C. Martin got a single. Rod Gaspar intentionally walked. Jim McAndrew walked, and then a 1-2-3 force out, another single by A.G., and then Boswell hit into a double play, 4-6-3. So all kind of chaos there with with the guys leading off the inning. All four who led off the inning ended up scoring. Wayne Garrett actually scored on a walk. Art Chamsky scored on a sacrifice fly. Boswell scored on a single, and A. G scored on a single, and this all started because Tom Harmon booted the ball. Well, that's all the Mets needed. But then Tommy A. G hit a solo home run in the eighth inning. And Tommy had quite a day, three for four, two runs, four at-bats, and one RBI. Wayne Garrett was two for four, one run, one run batted in. The lineup for that day was Harrelson at short, A.G. at second, Boswell batting third, second, Shamsky in right, Garrett at third, Cranepool batting sixth at first, J.C. Martin catching, Rod Gaspar eighth in left field, and Jim McAndrew pitching. Now, as I said before, uh, Jim McAndrew was struggling coming into this game, but he pitched a game of his life. He pitched eight innings only gave two hits, no walks, and two strikeouts. And Dr. Ron Taylor came in and got the save, striking out two in the ninth inning. So the Mets continued their successful 69 campaign in good fashion. Now, we knew something would happen, didn't we? Yes, we did. Things were only going to get better for the Mets for the rest of the year. And what a year it was. Okay, what else happened on this day, you're probably saying? Uncle Stan, enlighten us. Enlighten us. All right. I will tell you what else went on in this day. Behind Doc Gooden, the Mets defeated the Cubs 3-2 at New York. Danny Jackson took the loss. Now get this. with that win? Now this is 1992. Gooden has now beaten the Cubs 12 straight times before he loses before his loss in August 1987, he had another streak of 10 straight wins over the Cubs. He owned Chicago. Dr. Doctor, doctor give Chicago the blues. They got another sad case of losing news. Also on this date in 2005, thanks to Bernie Williams dropping a ball in center field, the Mets become the first National League to hit three sacrifice flies in one inning. Backstop Ramon Castro sack fly to right ties the game 1 1 as David Wright advances to third. The Yankee center fielder then drops Jose Reyes' deep fly ball, allowing Wright to score. Mike Cameron skies to right, plating Doug Menkowitz, who advanced to third on an errant pickup throw. So there you go. How about that? Three sack flies in one inning. Way to go, Metzies. On this date in 2012, unfortunately, the Yankees snapped R.A. Dickey' streak of 44 and two-thirds innings without allowing an earned run, with four third-inning runs on their way to a 6-5 win over the Mets. Robbie Cano snapped a 5-5 tie. I wonder if he was on steroids then. With an eighth-inning home run off Miguel Batista. Dwight Gooden still holds the Mets franchise record with 49 consecutive innings without an earned run in 1985. Wonder if Jake's going to take care of that. Now, what we want to do is talk about what's going on in the group. New York Mets baseball, way of life. Who's ready to start talking to Metsies? What's going on in that group, you say? You want to know? I want to know, too. What is going on? I think even Marvin Gaye wants to know what's going on. Well, yesterday I they asked, when I say George M. Weiss, what's the first thing that comes to your head? Marty Rose said, Yankee Championships. Don Laub said, Mets Pioneer. Good, good answers, guys. Good, good answers. And it kind of sums up what George M. Weiss was all about. i they ask, what Mets player has been the biggest pleasant surprise in 2021? Barb Hammer said, Pilar and Valar. She's a poet and doesn't even know it, but she came up with some good answers there. Steve Scanlon said, A few, but Taiwan Walker has been great. Amen to that. Then I mentioned that Francisco Lindor had only been two for 14 since his five RBI game in Washington. Don Laub came out and said, Well, quite bluntly, oh, well, he's ours for 10 years. I'm pulling for him, and we all need to pull for him. Then I asked, do you hold the Mets' trading staff accountable in any way for all the injuries of the team in 2021? Four of you said no. One said yes. Very, very interesting. Looks like these injuries are just a way of life, I guess. And then I listed all the uh, transactions the Mets went through in the last 24 days. Karen Hust, Tarlec, wordy said Mets. M A S H, MASH unit. Don Wilde, yikes, it hurts just looking at this. Harvey Poor said, can't tell a players without an MRI report. You guys are nailing this, my friends. Nailing it. And that's some of the good stuff that's been going on in the group. So if you're not in the group, please join. It's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. We'd love to have you. And if you guys who are in the group or are listening to the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. That you'll be alerted every time one is uploaded. Uh, you can always reach me at p-h-i-l-s-t-a-n, 4 one dot com. i am open to all suggestions. Always willing to listen to what you guys have to say, positive, negative, what have you, what you might want to say on the site. And so glad you guys are part of the greatest Met baseball Facebook group there is. Thanks so much for your support. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for another podcast for today. Thanks all for listening. Remember, you have a free evening tonight. There's no Met game. Go on to YouTube, watch a Met Classic game. I'm not sure what SNY has. SNY has this for programming tonight, but I'm sure they might have something that's related. But no matter what, enjoy the weather. It's a beautiful time of year. And let's get ready for Philly and that twine of tomorrow. Once again, guys, thanks for all your support. It means so much to me. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Have a great day.